At the uh, end of uh, the service today, as you leave, we have, we have uh, chocolate bars for all the guys. So uh, we should have enough for, um, make sure every father gets one, and then, and then all the young fiends can follow after. The male fiends. It's a guy day today. Don't give out any chocolate bars until every man in the house has one, okay? Then we can give them to the ladies if we got extra. But, but um, no, guys, uh, dads, grab a chocolate bar on your way out. And um, they're full-size chocolate bars, man-size. Not kid-size, not mini-bite size, but man-size. So grab one on your way out and, uh, and enjoy it. And it's so hot, you may want to eat it quick, just saying. Don't leave it in your car or you will not be happy. Yeah. Fathers play such an important and vital role in our lives. It's really important that we be good dads. We realize that not everybody has a good dad or or had a good dad. But we know now more than any time, in, uh, probably in any time in our future uh, or any time in our past, that, that good men and good fathers are badly, badly needed in our world today. You can see the effect that it has on families. You can see the effect that it has on children. In fact, you can see what the effect that it has on, in society, uh, on society in general when men fail to do their part. We're we live in a world filled with single-parent homes where too many dads have walked out and single moms are doing their best. And we're here to say, let's stop the trend. Amen? That we need to rise up as men and teach our men, teach our boys to be men of God, to make a commitment to their family, to their wives, to their children, and mainly to their God. And to live that out with integrity, to live that out with honesty, and to be a good man. Our world needs good men. Our world needs good fathers. And we know, we know what happens when we don't have them. And so I wanted to encourage us today, guys, to be the best we can be. You know, fathers are different than mothers. You noticed? (laughs) And I just want to say... It was designed that way. It's supposed to be that way. You know, you learn quickly as a kid. You all know this is true now. You learn quickly as a kid what parent to go to for help, depending on your need of the moment. Okay? Sometimes it was, I got to go to mom because mom is definitely the one to go to. But then there's other times when you don't want to go to mom and you go, where's dad? I got to go to dad. See, you learn that quick. You know, um, like in our household, you know, when the boys were young and they got a bad cut, I was like, go see your mother. She'll look after that. I'm not, I'm not going to deal with that. She'll, she'll fuss over that, you know. But then there was other things that they came to me for, and your home's the same. Uh, and and uh, growing up, you knew. You knew who to go to. You knew who the softy was. 
Girls, I don't know why, they always go to their fathers, and fathers just open up their wallet and say, whatever you want, honey. (laughs) Guys, they go to their dad and they say, get a job. (laughs) This is what happens. It's just a thing, you know. Um, Just, you know, you know how it is. And uh, moms and dads are different. And it's supposed to be that way. It brings great balance and great diversity into a home. And um, I was thinking about, just before, we're going to look at four, um, four dads, four good dads in the Old Testament. But just before we do that, I, wanted, I was thinking about um, Mary and Joseph. I know it's not Christmas time, but I was thinking about Father's Day and how Joseph gets no play. Have you ever noticed? Like, seriously, Mary gets all the attention Joseph, he's like, oh, yeah, Joseph, yeah. But I was thinking, when God chose Mary to be the earthly mother of Jesus, I think it's important that we realize he also chose Joseph to be his earthly father. And, and let's, not, let's not forget that. Now, um, it, God found this young woman whom the Bible describes as one who found favor with God. That's how Mary is described. So she's obviously this this beautiful, high-quality, lovely girl who's committed to following God. But what we sometimes fail to remember is that he also found a very high-quality young man as well. And Joseph showed that time and time again. In fact, remember when, when he found out that Mary was pregnant and he knew that it wasn't by him, they were engaged, and so you, you read in the Scripture, he He decided that he was going to end his engagement to Mary, but he was going to do it quietly so that that she wouldn't be shamed, right? He's looking out for her to make sure that no unnecessary burden of shame and guilt, and in those days it's it's a, a real tragedy for a young woman like her to get pregnant without a father, like without a husband, and and so he decides that he's going to just move on from her quietly and not expose her to shame. That says something, doesn't it? Seriously, about the quality of the young man. It says something about who he was and how much he cared for her and how much he wanted to make sure she was okay. And that says something, and I think it's important to remember that. Uh, Of course, we know that God came and tells him in a dream what was really going on. Joseph says, oh, he gets it, and then he completely obeys, and he does what the Lord asks him to do, and and, uh, you know how the story plays out. He protects Jesus and Mary by taking them to Egypt. He looks after Jesus all all the years of his life. We know now that uh, by the time Jesus was hanging on the cross, Joseph was gone. He passed away. And that's why when Jesus is hanging on the cross, one of the final seven words he says, he says to John is, this is now your mother, and mother, this is now your son. And so Joseph was gone. So we don't know how or when or exactly how that played out, but we know that Joseph died at a relatively young age, and Jesus knew what it was to lose his earthly father. But I I just wanted to say, I just bring that up to say that the point of all that is just to say that the role of the father is an important one. 
It makes a difference in the lives of the family. It makes a difference. Um, God wanted, and, and I just wanted to say that God wanted Jesus to have an earthly mother, and he wanted him to have an earthly father. And he found two high-quality people, and he made it happen. And it's important. God wanted his son to have a mom and dad here on earth. Isn't that interesting? He wanted him to have both, and he gave him both. And so I just, I wanted to just, I was thinking about Joseph saying, Joseph, you don't get enough play, and I'm going to give you some today. Joseph was a good man, and so we, uh, we, um, we recognize that today. I also wanted to, just before we get into this, I just wanted to encourage any single parents that are here today, and I know that there's a lot among us, and there's a lot in our world and in our schools and in our communities, and I just wanted to say we honor you and thank you for doing your best to love your kids and, 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 and to fight for them and to give up so much for them. And I just want us as a church to recognize it's a tough job to do all alone. It is. And so have some compassion on people who are struggling to raise families all alone. I was thinking also about what God does, God, that God promises to stand in the gap to help a single mom or a single dad, to, to help you where you feel you fall short. Because in my experience, a lot of single parents feel like they, 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 they're doing their best, but it's not enough. We struggle financially. We, I can't provide them everything. You know, I don't have the skills. I, 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 you feel somehow that you're falling short. And God says that he promises to help you. He'll stand in the gap to give you what you need. That, that he, he will show himself to be a great heavenly father to anyone who hasn't had a good earthly one. That's what he wants to do. He wants to stand in that gap to make sure that you know you have at least a good heavenly father. And I thought of a couple of scriptures, Psalm 27.10. It says, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. This is an encouragement to us today. Also, Psalm 68, 5 and 6. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy, but he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. He's a God who wants to bring lonely people into families. He's the God that says, even if those who are close to you abandon you, I will stay close. This is the kind of God that he is. So now, with all that said, four good fathers in the Old, in the Old Testament, excuse me, <clears throat> four good fathers and four good examples. And, uh, and you know, because it's Father's Day, I'm not going to be long as an extra blessing to fathers. How about that? And all the guys said, Amen. You don't believe me, do you? Okay. Proof is in the pudding, man. Talk is cheap, so let's go. Okay, four good fathers. First one I thought of was Noah. Noah, in Genesis chapter 6. Read, read, uh, follow me along here. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and, he, and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, 
and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Noah is living in a very evil world during a very evil time. The the Bible says he was the only righteous man on the face of the earth. Could you imagine? This is is how he's described. That he, he found favor with God. And so why is Noah a good dad? I was thinking this. Noah saved his family. He saved his family. The world's a mess. Sin and evil are all over the place. Everything is corrupted. Everything is dark and bad. God can't stand it any longer. And he he wants to reboot and start again. But there's one man who stands out from the crowd, who lives a life of honor, who, who rises to the top, that Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Isn't it an amazing thought? Just think about it with me for a second. Amazing thought that one man who was living right. One man got the attention of God. Isn't that cool? Just think about it. Think about how sometimes you feel insignificant. One man got the attention of God as his eyes go to and fro across the earth. One man. The the, the earth is examined, people are looked at, and he finds nothing but evil except for one man. That's a pretty powerful testimony. And it's a good reminder to us, by the way, that God is watching. He notices how we live. He sees the things that we do. God puts this plan in place to save this one man and to save his family from the coming disaster. Because of Noah, his family was saved. It wasn't because of his sons. It wasn't because of anything else. It was, it was because of Noah And because Noah is this righteous man, God says, I'm going to save you and I'm going to save your family. So he saves his wife, he saves his three sons, he saves uh, their wives, and uh, all of them, as you know, get into the uh, ark and and they're saved. But because of Noah's family saved, they reap this reward for Noah's choice. Noah chose to live righteous, and guess what? It, it, It saved his family because of it. It impacted his family in a great way. So men, if, if we live right, if we do right, the thing is, it, I think the lesson from Noah is this. It will not only bless us, but it will bless our family as well. It will make an impact on your wife. It will make an impact on your children in a very positive way. We know the stats are pretty clear. What happens when, when a dad makes a commitment to Jesus and to the church, it has a huge positive impact on the family. It is a very influential choice. Um, uh, and so, guys, I just wanted to say, your family, or even young guys, your future family, they need you to lead. They need you to step up and to make good, wise choices. They need you to lead, the, to even lead the way with spiritual things. Sometimes guys are like, because a lot of us are not wired that way, so we can leave it to our wives to to lead the way, to hustle the kids out, to make church a priority, to 
be involved with the programming, to be giving, and our wife sort of leads the way. But, God, God, uh, uh, but guys, God is calling us to lead the way. Noah led the way and saved his family and impacted the world because of it. He, he, uh, he, he stepped up in the middle of a terrible situation, and he led his family to salvation. So fathers, you can have the same effect. You can, you can have that same effect on your family. It starts with you. God, uh, or get, if, if we get things right with God and we live right, you and your family will reap the benefits of your choice. Someone said amen. So make the right choice and right things will happen to you and those that you love. There's a blessing that will flow from that. Second is Abraham. Put up for me um, Genesis 18. This is the Lord speaking. He says, should I hide my plan from Abraham, the Lord asked. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. Abraham led his family by faith. He was a faith guy. The Lord had chosen Abraham to be the father of a great nation. Okay, And here we are, an old man with no children, and his wife can't get pregnant. And God says, I'm going to lead you to a new land. I'm going to make you the father and your, your offspring is going to be so many that they'll be like the, sand, the grains of sand on the shore. And he's like, what you talking about? Like, I got nothing, you know? We've been trying to have kids for years. We can't even have one, you know? This is the situation that he was in. These verses that we just read actually happened just after God told him and Sarah, his wife, that they were going to have a son in their old age. And his wife, if you know the story, laughed. His wife laughed. She was in the tent listening, and she laughed. And God said, are you laughing? And she said, I'm not laughing. And he said, I heard you laugh, right? He says, for nothing is impossible with me, right? And he encouraged them to believe. So he's 100 and she's 90. Just imagine. Vic, seriously? You want to start all over again? Yeah. Like 90. The woman is 90. Yeah, you got it. 90 years old, no wonder she laughed. Yeah, good one, ha ha. We've only been trying for like what feels like 90 years, you know, and uh, yeah, so God says, don't worry. And I'm sure, listen, I'm sure that Abraham had some questions. He may have had even some doubt, but it, it didn't stop him to believe. It didn't stop him to live a life of faith. He stepped out and he had the courage to, to, to follow God into the unknown. That's exactly what he did. His example of faith, by the way, is such a powerful lesson to his family. Look at uh, verse 19. Just again, see what it says here. I have singled him out, check this out, so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord. 
by doing what is right and just. And then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. Abraham, he says, Abraham will direct his sons and their families by doing what is right and just. That's what he says. So a father must do more than just speak words. A father must teach by example. Abraham didn't get up and say, sons, families, follow God, live a life of faith, right? Well, that's a good thing to say. But Abraham basically said, watch me as I do it. Learn from me, for my very life will direct your life in these steps. Abraham's actions spoke so loudly. He leaves his home. He follows this unknown God by faith into a new land that looked, that looked so desolate and deserted. He has no children, but God promises that he'll be the father of a great nation. And when his son, check this out now, you know that when his son finally arrives, he's a hundred and Sarah's 90 and she gives birth to a son. And then God says, okay, now I want you to take your son and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Wow. And so Abraham is willing. Here's the thing. And, um, and the writer of Hebrews captures this by saying this in Hebrews 11. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Here's the kind of guy he was. They wait, they finally get the child, the promised child, the one that's going to, 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 to start this great nation. And then God says, oh, by the way, I want you to sacrifice him. And he goes, okay, I'm going to do it. I'll sacrifice him and I'll watch you bring him back from the dead. This is the kind of guy he was. This is the, the, like, who does that? Seriously. This is the kind of guy he was. Fathers, you're being watched. All of us are being watched, you know, by our wives and our kids. And here's the thing. They know us so well. You can't get away with anything. Yeah, I know, grown, I know. Because, like, they know your habits. They know what you do. They know what you think. They know what you eat. They know your weaknesses. They know your strengths. They know everything about you. It's not something that you can, you can hide. They just know us. And so here's the thing. Our words can't be taken seriously unless we back them up by action. And our family knows when we're legit. And the wives said amen. When he lives a life, right, his words... His words become very powerful when you know that he lives out his words, when he does what he says. This is the kind of men that we need to be, to walk in faith, to live out our words. Abraham said, live by faith. I want to direct my sons and their families to live by faith. And by the way, I'll show you how to do it. Follow me. And this is exactly what he did. And so Abraham is this, Great example of a great dad who directed his family to live by faith by having a life of faith himself. That's how he did it. 
Third, Job. You, you don't, you, I'm really quitting early today, Mario. You with me? Ah, I'm really quitting early. I, I'm with you. Hey, Job. Job is another one. Job chapter 1. There once was a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Job's sons would take turns preparing feasts in their homes, and they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, these were serious parties, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, perhaps my children have sinned and they have cursed God in their hearts. Look, check out this powerful last little sentence here. This was Job's regular practice. Job prayed for his family regularly, all the time. Every day, it was his regular practice to get up, to pray for his sons, and to pray for his daughters. Here is another man, by the way, who got God's attention by living right. Mm -hmm. Satan shows up and says, oh, yeah, where have you been? You know, God says, where have you been? Oh, I've been up, you know, looking at the earth. And God says, did you see Job? Isn't he awesome? He brags about how awesome Job is, right? He got his attention, right? Here's another man who got God's attention by the way he lived. He honored God, and he was incredibly blessed because of it. He was a very wealthy, blessed man. It says that his regular practice was to offer a sacrifice and to pray for each of his children. And he did it just in case they had sinned. He said, you know, they're partying for days. Now they're over at Bob's house. Next week they're going over to, you know, Larry's house. And you know, I, I don't know what they're up to. I don't know what. I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray in case something's going wrong. I'm just going to give this to God, you know. And so he, he, he prays every day. It was his regular practice to get up and pray for his children. He did it just in case they needed his prayers. See, he was a wise man. He was smart. He understood human nature. He knew that his children needed his prayers. He, 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 he knew that. Every dad, every dad needs to pray. That's the challenge. Every dad needs to pray regularly for their, for their children, for your sons and for your daughters. You need to pray regularly for them, to call out on God to direct their lives, to to lead them, to save them, to transform them, to make them people of character, to make them difference makers, to give them hearts of compassion and a willingness to serve, to be courageous and to keep fighting even when it gets tough. And a dad's prayers are powerful, very powerful in that regard. And so Job regularly got up and prayed for his children by name. It was his regular practice. I was thinking, you know, here's the thing about prayer, because, and, and this, is, uh, this is, it relates to this. This is what I was thinking. Dads like to fix things, okay? So some of us are more handy than others with tools, but here's the thing. Every dad, and guys in general, actually 
they tend to be fixers. So if you come to dad with a problem, dad will listen, and then he'll try to come up with a solution. That's what guys do. Ladies may just listen, but guys are like actively thinking about how to actually solve the problem. That's how guys think, right? And we, we assess the problem, and then we get to work, and we find a solution, the best solution that we can find to solve this problem. And it, remind, it reminded me of this goofy video that I have. Um, I, I've showed this before, I think a few years ago, but, but uh, watch this video. It's called, It's Not About the Nail. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. You do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail out. See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. If you would just... Don't! Try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I... That's what guys do. Dads do want to be helpful. Dads do want to solve problems. We want to fix things. But here's how it relates to prayer and to Job. I was thinking, and by the way, sometimes it seems so obvious to us. I'm just letting you in, okay? We don't say this out loud, but I'm going to say it out loud today. Sometimes it's so obvious to us what our wife or our kids need to do but nobody will listen to us. Dads, yeah, come on now. If someone would just listen to me, maybe we could solve this problem, you know. But, you know, it doesn't always happen that way. But, but here's, the, here's the thing. If guys want to be helpful and fix problems, sometimes we realize that there's bigger problems and things that we can't fix. And this is why it's important for us to regularly seek divine intervention. We've got to pray. We've got to ask the Holy Spirit to intervene. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord. There's problems that are just too big, too complicated. Not even the best dad can fix it. We need his help. And so we've got to take our concerns. We've got to take our hopes We've got to take our dreams and we've got to give them to the Lord. See, he loves us so much. And here's the thing, dads. Always remember, he loves our kids so much too. That we have to place them in his hands. We have to trust him to do the work that he needs to do. He can soften 
that hard heart. He can turn that prodigal son or prodigal daughter back home. He can work out a good plan, but we've got to be faithful to pray. And this is what Job did. It was Job's regular practice to pray for his children. So fathers, I encourage us. Let's follow his lead. Let's follow his lead. Lastly, Joshua. Joshua uh, chapter 24. Put these verses up. says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. This is Joshua speaking to the whole nation of Israel. Fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worship when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Joshua chose God for himself and for his family. And at the end, these words are spoken at the end of his incredible life. He leads this incredible, amazing life, Joshua does. And at the end of this amazing life, he's encouraging all of Israel to serve God and to choose wisely. That he's led us this far, but now you must choose. Are you going to choose God or are you going to choose to serve another God? The choice is yours, but as for me, and my family, our choice is clear. And so he, he, he's making this great, this, this great speech and he's encouraging people to make the right choice. And he says, you must make your own choice. You must, you must make your own choice, fathers. You must make your own choice, mothers, how you're going to lead your family and who you will serve. See, we all still have that choice today. People serve something. And it's foolish to think you don't, because you do. People don't think they do, but they do. And so the question is, who will you serve? What will you serve? Will you serve yourself? Will you, will, you know, and, and, and on and on the list goes. But who will you serve, right? My great friend Bob Dylan used to sing, it might be the devil or it might be the Lord. But you know, you got to serve somebody, right? This is, this is still true today. Joshua lives this great life, and he remains faithful to God through incredibly challenging times, right? When everybody around him gave up hope, Joshua goes and says, we can take the land. God has still given me strength. I am old, he said, but I am still strong to fight. I am still strong to believe. Let me in and I will go take the land that God has given me. The guy leads this incredible life through a very challenging time. He he remains faithful to God through all of it. His choice, by the way, had a huge impact on his family. He gets up in front of the whole nation of Israel and he says, but as for me and my house, my family, we will serve the Lord. Don't you think that his wife was like, come on, seriously, preach it. Come on, we're with you. They're up there proud of him, saying that's the kind of man we want you to be. 
Lead the way. Hang on through the tough times. Lead this family. Choose God for yourself. Choose him for us. We're with you, right? It makes a huge impact, dads. Fathers are incredibly influential in their children's lives. Joshua made his choice to follow a long time ago, and he set this clear path for his family to follow. See, the legacy he was leaving behind was one of obedience. It was one of faithfulness. It was one of strength. It was one of courage. It was one of determination. He left a powerful legacy behind. And after he died, I'm sure they sat around campfires at night saying, what would dad do if he was here? Remember when he did this and did that? He was awesome. Dad wasn't afraid of anything, you know. And, and I, I, I have to believe that his impact on his kids and the legacy he left behind was a far-reaching one into the future. He was determined that he was going to follow God. And he was also equally determined that his family was going to follow God as well. And he did everything he could to make that happen and to set that up, to make that real. Remember when Paul said, uh, when Paul was writing and he would say, he would say, follow me as I follow Christ. Remember when he used to say that to Timothy and other young people and, 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 and I think this is exactly what Joshua was saying to his family. It's exactly what, it's the same message that he's trying to communicate here. And that, that I'm going to follow God and I want you to follow me as I follow God. That's for me and my house. We're going to serve God. And so he makes this statement and declaration over his home. And this is what we as fathers need to say to our families as well. This is what we need to do in the kind of men that we need to be. Follow me as I follow Christ. Isn't that a really powerful thing to say to your family? A very challenging thing, by the way, gentlemen. (laughs) But a very powerful thing if we can live it out and live lives of honesty, integrity, and service to the King of Kings. Follow me as I follow Christ.